Tech Talk. Hi, I'm Johnny Kaplan. And I'm Jesse Katz. And you're listening to the Tech Talk podcast series. So in today's episode, I made a special pilgrimage to the Tower of David. It's an ancient citadel in Jerusalem's old city. The history of the site dates back to over 2,000 years, and today it's home to the Tower of David Museum, which is using cutting-edge technology to bring history to life. Alrighty, so we've got a really cool episode lined up here. We're going to go see TechCode, which is a Chinese incubator. They put them all around the world where they actually fund and incubate technologies, because as you know, the Chinese are very eager to learn more about Western technologies. We're going to meet an amazing group of women that have developed an ethical framework for robots to interact with human beings. Oh, amazing. I love that. I mean, it's incredible. These guys have been doing it for like 30 years. You're going to be blown away, Jess. So we also go to see incubators that are set up to inspire young minds and give them the resources to become entrepreneurial. And we're going to visit some VCs and some other really cool technologies. All right. I can't wait. So our first interview is actually a global incubator, TechCode. They have offices all around the world, including Tel Aviv, and they invest in emerging technologies and entrepreneurs who are developing stuff in mobility, uh, AI, and other sort of deep technology spaces. So they're really interested in finding talented individuals. And as we know, the Chinese are very interested in obtaining these technologies. Hi, Lee. Hi, Johnny. Thanks Thanks for your time today. Thanks for coming. So tell us a little bit more. Uh, what do you do and what's the big picture for TechCode? Sure, TechCode is actually one of China's largest incubator networks. We're in uh, 18 cities in China, in seven countries wow. worldwide. So we also have incubators in Berlin, Silicon Valley, Helsinki. We recently opened a hub in Moscow. I'm the program manager for Smart Mobility. That's one of three focus areas that we have here at TechCode Israel. The other two are IoT, Internet of Things, and Artificial Intelligence. TechCode's mission is to help startups and companies with innovative tech in those areas to really scale up and access the Chinese market. The main investment opportunities that TechCode gives startups and companies is through our investor network. We have over a thousand investors, VCs, angels and funds in China. We do matchmaking and investor roadshows through our incubators in China. How is your Chinese? (laughs) It's not very good, I have to say, I'm working on it, but uh, the advantage is that we are hybrid teams of Chinese and Israelis working together in each incubator. That really gives us the edge to help companies out. You're the bridge between the Israeli startup community effectively and the Chinese companies and investment funds. Yeah, that's my role. We're over 250 people actually working in TechCode worldwide. TechCode is trying to build an innovation cluster, just like Shenzhen before 1980 was a fisherman's village and is now the electronics capital of the world. We're now trying to do the same thing. So in Guan, we're really trying to build that up as an automotive cluster, building connections between academia, corporates, startups, and the big OEMs, so the big car brands, and bringing everyone together. Fantastic. Israel is really a global leader in smart mobility. We're number two right behind the United States, and China is definitely taking notice. The Israeli government is very supportive of this initiative. They have over 240 million shekel budget just for smart mobility. 
One thing that we definitely needed in this ecosystem was an education of the market, breaking a lot of the myths around working with China. Um, some of them are genuine challenges, which TechCode is trying to address. What is the process for setting up in China? How long does it take to open a bank account? All these questions which, through our trusted providers and partners, we aim to help. We're in an era where China and Israel are in a very, very good working relationship. Bibi Netanyahu was in China in March. He had an innovation summit. We actually sent 10 medical device companies to participate at that summit. And we got a promise from the Chinese government that they will be investing $1 billion in the Israeli startup ecosystem. So really, things are beginning to really change. We can see that obviously initiatives like this are helping to fuel that. So very, very interesting space that you have here. We're very interested to follow TechCode and to see the innovations and technological advancements that they make to the global community. And we wish you the very best of luck. Thank you. Thanks very Thank much. You, So Singuli is next up, and this is an incredible company. These two ladies have been working combined for 30 years to develop an ethical framework for artificial beings. So that means that they will put the controls and systems and the rules in place to ensure that humans and robot beings live in harmony together. I mean, this is just mind-blowing stuff. These ladies were ahead of the curve many years before this even came into effect. And now they're hot stuff. Everybody wants to talk to them. Everybody wants them to be consultants and help them. And they're developing something which is fundamental for us as human beings. It really is. I'm so excited. Yay to know Robot Apocalypse. Woo! No, it's a really interesting interview. Um, they're very, very educated ladies and they know their stuff. And they're some of the leading experts in the world. It's really cool. Amazing. Who run the world? <laughs> Not robots. <laughs> Hi, Esther. Great to see you again and to finally be in these wonderful offices of TechCo. Thank you for coming to visit us. Tell us a little bit about your experience, your history and how you got yourself into this. When I was researching my thesis, this is what I started looking into, advanced technologies. I could see that there were really exciting things that were possible and also I could see that there needed to be an ethical infrastructure. There was nobody else I knew who was involved in this field. And so it felt like I was embarking on something new. And then I was introduced to Odd Key Luce, who had been developing an architecture. And I could see from my own research that this architecture was actually robust enough to achieve what it was that I was so interested in. Technologies that will actually benefit humanity, benefit society, and benefit whatever comes from the evolution of what's occurring right now. So tell us a little bit more about what Singuli does. Mm -hmm. Singuli is ethical, friendly, machine-based intelligence. And what this refers to is embedding actual intelligence into technologies as opposed to imitating intelligence. All the technologies that we've seen up until this point are based on mechanisms to imitate human intelligence. But what we've developed is the means to actually allow artificial intelligence to think for itself via this ethical framework. It certainly sounds like something out of a movie. And the movie I think of is iRobot, which used to be a favorite of mine back in the day, written on a book by Isaac Asimov, way before robots had really properly been developed and artificial intelligence had been conceived. 
we never thought it would come around so quickly and be so apparent and so relevant in the current marketplace. Things are certainly heating up and that's very exciting for everybody. I would say though that still based on a very conventional view, the idea of good versus evil, mm -hmm. that isn't necessarily the way things are. It's all still based on a conventional experience of intelligence. Mm -hmm. When we're coding all these nuances of intelligence, what we're really doing is firstly understanding these nuances of intelligence. And that's why it's so exciting when something comes out and we're like, this helps me further. You know, when I go to my email and I don't need to write a response because they've already generated one for me. You're saying it's like a new dawn for human beings in understanding their own intelligence and emotions and reactions to things. Because by having to document it and put it inside an artificial being, we first have to understand our own protocols and procedures in order to document it and then teach it to another being effectively. Indeed. In the last couple of weeks, Sophia, the bionic artificial being, was crowned as the newest citizen of Saudi Arabia. Actually a robot granted citizenship. Yes, I've had the pleasure of meeting Sophia. Oh, wow. Okay. So would you define Sophia as still being a being that's trying to imitate intelligence and not yet at the stage of being able to learn her own emotions? I don't really feel comfortable talking about Sophia behind her back. But um, <laughs> I, w I would say that we see it. It is the approach of imitating intelligence. You know, the idea that if you are nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. That can't be a guideline. That can't be a guideline. Well, because if the opposite happens, then you'll find a detrimental effect. If somebody's nasty to the... Artificial... Person, they might imitate the wrong emotions that we're trying to avoid. And this was the incredible motivation that led me to the privileged situation that I've been in for the last 10 years, developing a real solution. So tell me a little about working with TechCode. TechCode is a very supportive environment. The AI Accelerator has been very helpful in all the strategic elements of building a business. It certainly sounds that you've got off to a fantastic start. I mean, I say start, you're already 10, 12 years into this and your partner 30 years, so you're certainly not the start of your journey. But you're the start of this actually becoming a commercial mm. project and actually sharing the benefit of all of your research with the global community. So what are the next steps? We've already better tested this technology in search intelligence so that you get exactly what you're looking for and also supporting you to go further. That means when you type a search in, you're not just typing a word. There's a thought, there's a, a nuance of thought. There is all the past searches that you've done all the future searches that you're going to do. And our technology is able to depict all of that, that entire context. Effectively, as a young girl, I could go onto the ubiquitous search engine, tell them that I need some more makeup, mascara, and foundation, mm -hmm. and he'd tell me, don't worry, you already look pretty enough today, <laughs> you don't need it. <laughs> it's something like that. Right, right. But it's a bit more sophisticated. Of course. Because we all want to be beautiful, so that's fine but effectively how you can encompass emotion into that very basic textual yeah. search. It's, you're, you're completely spot on. I think what you're talking about is compassion and sensitivity. Now I'm starting to understand how we can learn from the machines that in all of our glory as human beings, I say glory caveated, we've lost a lot of compassion 
And what you're trying to achieve is by empowering these artificial beings to think in that way, they can actually guide us as human beings to purvey that and to give that across to all the human beings that they interact with. In the sense, if you smile at someone as you go out, you notice that other people smile in the same way if you send out beings to be compassionate and sensitive and caring, that those emotions will rub off to humankind and have a roll-on effect of actually making us act more in that way. Yes, and it's really time that the rest of society has access to this. It's certainly very much needed. Uh, we're very happy to have people like you who are worrying about these things and ensuring that whatever we do to create a more efficient and technologically advanced future, that it'll be a better one, an ethical one, and more enjoyable for everybody living on the planet. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you so much, Esther. So then we'll see Virtually Israel, who developed a virtual reality system for actually going to tourist places like the Tower of David. Now, you can imagine how that's coming to practice and effect since the coronavirus pandemic, because, you know, people are stuck at home, they can't get out, they can't travel, they can't go to these sites, um, so they can't have this cultural experience. But actually with companies like Virtually Israel, they're developing very, very simple technologies. It's free to use. You just need a pair of VR glasses at home, and then you can put them on. You can see these amazing 3D layouts of all of the ancient sites. And often it's actually more mesmerizing than going to the site itself because you get to see what it was like thousands of years ago in this kind of illustration or animation. Really, really cool. I'm here with Uri Chartarivsky of the Adam and Gilla Milstein Foundation. Johnny. Hi, Uri. Nice to see you. Great to meet you. So I hear you're doing wonderful stuff here. Tell us what the Adam and Gilla Milstein Foundation does. Adam and Gilla Foundation focuses on promoting Israel outside its borders, mainly in the United States. We're here because we have created a virtual Israel project with about 12 official experiences with the hopes to give people tools, help other people who cannot come to Israel to see the real Israel. So we have the Dead Sea Scrolls, we have the Bible Lands Museum, we have even done the Independence Hall in Tel Aviv. So we recreated Ben Gurion's speech so people can actually go back to 1940. Wow. For here, it's such a wonderful site. Absolutely. And they've never done a virtual reality experience. So we did map out the whole museum. We also did an underground excavation. We did it with the director of the museum, so we got four beautiful experiences coming out in about a month. And they're free for anybody to see. Wonderful stuff. We'll certainly take a look at some of the virtual reality experiences. Thanks so much for, for seeing us. Keep up the good work. Thank you. So next I make this journey to the ancient city of Jerusalem, where the Israeli Knesset is, where the, the ministers of the government sit, where the courts are, and now where the American embassy is. And what we find there is the Tower of David. The Tower of David is an ancient citadel, an ancient ruin that used to be lived in by uh, various different monarchies, and now actually incubates a young entrepreneur's technology incubator. And they inspire young minds to create and develop. They have hackathons there where they lock kids into this medieval site and allow them to develop cool technologies. It's a really, really cool and up upcoming place. And it's a beautiful site. And you really got to see what these guys are doing. That is so exciting. What I love about this is 
Um, you know, I was a young entrepreneur, started my first business at 14 years old, and I find it really encouraging that there are others out there who realize that they have to inspire the younger generation and rather going there to look to invest in, you know, emerging companies and entrepreneurs, things that are out there today. They're thinking ahead. They're thinking of the future and they're looking for ways to inspire the younger generation to develop the next technologies, which will come out in, in the next era. Really, really cool. Amazing. The Tower of David Innovation Lab is a lab that focuses on improving and enhancing the visitor experience through the integration and use of unique technologies, specifically AR-VR technologies, within the Tower of David Museum. I suppose with uh, augmented reality and virtual reality, there are experiences which the visitors have never been able to experience before, like actually viewing the tower in its original state, which is a wonderful experience for kids and for visitors of all ages to actually experience in a visual and life-size model exactly what was going on here thousands of years ago. When you walk along in a tour, they could tell you which layers of stone belong to which time period, but you would still have to visualize it. And our imaginations are rich, and we're not taking away from people's imagination and their creative side. What we're doing is we're expanding that. We're giving them a chance to develop that imagination even more so to become an immersive experience. Without the technology, you wouldn't be able to walk along the road that Jesus walked next to him or to be able to speak to King David or to Herod or to be able to see how the museum developed over the years. That's really unique and special and an interesting use case. 85% of people have never even had the opportunity to try VR technology. We're giving them a chance to experience that firsthand and for the companies who are developing it to have access to the population who are interested in the content they're creating. We're working on supporting and developing a platform for inclusiveness in a museum and an archaeological site, which could include a VR experience of an archaeological preserved site that cannot be made accessible physically, but we could give them the virtual experience as well. And I understand the Innovation Lab is actually in the Tower of David itself. The tower is called the Fazael Tower, which Herod built and has a 360-degree panoramic view of Jerusalem, both new and old, east and west. And one floor down is where the lab is being built. And there we will be offering workspace, equipment, lending library, storage, servers, and industry experts, of course, to help support the development of this unique technology. So tell me a little bit about the collaboration opportunities. Why does the museum want to house an innovation lab? There's not many museums who've gone down those steps themselves. The museum itself has always been extremely innovative, starting from 2015. They already were offering unique digital experiences for their visitors. Herod himself was an innovator. The space you're looking at is an innovative space. You know, if only the stones could speak, we would hear unbelievable stories. We want to create an experience that makes people want to come out and be a part of history. VR technology increases the empathy that a person feels towards what's going on around them. And of course, supporting startups means developing the ecosystem of Jerusalem by giving the startups a chance to partner and create a valuable access to visitors and a real-time beta site where they can now take their technology and go out there and make it accessible and a viable solution for the visitor. I assume the government is behind this. What kind of funding have you had to actually set up the Innovation Lab? Our wonderful partners are the Jerusalem Development Authority. Of course, in order for us to make this project happen, it's a 2.7 million shekel project. We also are looking for corporate or private sponsors to reach even greater results and to go even further.
one of those young entrepreneurs, Tahila Peled, she's actually received already some funding from a venture capital firm. And she'll be there hosting a hackathon um, where she'll be getting sort of 50 uh, of her peers and other people in her class and so on to get together and try to develop some new technologies. I'm here with Tahila Peled, one of the organizers of the hackathon that took place in the Tower of David several weeks ago. Hi, Tila. Hi, Johnny. So tell us a little bit about the hackathon, very exciting event where hundreds of kids were locked into the Tower of David for 24 hours. So the hackathon took place here in the Tower of David Museum. We had about 50 participants. They all split up into groups and worked on projects that enhanced user experience for teenagers in public places such as museums or public transport, anywhere you could think of. There were people who had technical experience in the first place, there were coders. I mean, tell us a little bit about the so types of... Uh... Most of the people who came had some experience in computer science, they knew how to program, some were designers, and some just had really good ideas and they joined a group that had programmers. We were looking for a place to have the hackathon and we stumbled upon Tower David. They took us in, they helped us, they gave us a really good place, they gave us support lucky to live in such a municipality that right. you have these resources available yeah. to you. So the municipality helped us a lot. We had different companies here in Jerusalem that wanted to help us. Pico, Siftec. These are tech funds tech, yeah. and, and so on. Accelerators. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it's an excellent way to test the kids' skills. You know, you can learn things from books, you can learn them from school, but the real experience comes in the street, in business, meeting and greeting people, failing testing things. I'm sure they got great experience and they're already in with top VCs and technology funds in the region, which is a fantastic way to start. Tell us a little bit about the products that were developed at the hackathon. So the first prize was an app that found the place to charge your phone. Anywhere you are, they would find it through Google Maps. The first prize was 4,500 check. And we had other products that were making a list of all the things you need to bring with you to your outings, mm -hmm. whether it's going to a movie or going with, out with friends, everything you need, like money, or if it's raining outside, you would have umbrellas on the list. So you're studying at school at the moment. What are you looking to do afterwards? I'm looking to get into entrepreneurship. I want to learn computer science, either at MIT or here at the Technion in Israel. Seems like you're getting some fantastic experience in the field already. Thanks, Tila. Thank you. And lastly, we go to see Ellie Workman. Ellie Workman is ex-Benchmark Capital Israel, which is a huge global venture capital firm, uh, one of the leaders in the world. Ellie used to run the Israeli arm here, and then he started Pico Partners. Uh, Pico Partners is also a venture capital firm, but they specialize in things like investing in young entrepreneurs uh, and other interesting spaces. Eli is very passionate about the state of Israel, and we go to hear from him to hear, you know, the wonderful things that he's been working on. Hi, Eli. Hey. Thanks so much you? for your time today. Great. I'm very excited to be in this wonderful place. I believe Pico Partners are behind some of these amazing initiatives here. So please tell us what you guys are about. We are a venture capital firm based here in Jerusalem. We're focused on the Israeli high-tech ecosystem. But as a driver, we're very much focused on youth and a program that we call Pico Kids to help young people get into the skill set of science, technology, engineering, and math. So we're focused on junior high kids, which are mostly 13, 14 year olds, but we have kids as young as uh, the third and fourth grade wow. and, and all the way up to 10th and 11th grade. 
There's a basic theory here in Israel that creativity peaks at a young age. And unlocking that at this age and allowing kids to understand that their creative abilities are boundless and they can go anywhere with, with thoughts, but make them happen with technology is what we're trying to focus on. So Pico Partners generally, what are you looking for in the ventures that you're looking to back separately to Pico Kids? So we focus on our big opportunities. And when I say big opportunities, I, I talk about the real world, things that are broken, things that can be made better with technology. And the inspiration, once again, we're here in Jerusalem, which to me is the most inspiring place in the world, right? We, we have the history, the source of inspiration, but also the desire to make the world a better place, to make Israel a better place. And it's putting that together that is the center of Pico's focus. Almost standing on inspirational soil, so would, to speak. I, I would think so. It's the air, it's the soil, and it's in a deep connection, which I feel runs through my veins, with the history of this land and, and the future of it. Excellent. As I understand, you have a wonderful entrepreneurial history yourself. You were running Benchmark Capital here, the Israel branch, for many years. Tell us a little bit about your history and how you actually got into this space yourself. So my background is, is very much like the kids that we're working with was, was early entrepreneurship at the age of 12. About 10 years later, after the military here, I discovered that technology can solve real problems. I would say the company I'm most proud of from my early entrepreneurship is a company called Delta 3. If you recall, in the 90s, telephone calls internationally were very expensive. Mm -hmm. And I bridged the world of IP telephony with regular telephones, and we brought the cost of international calling down by 90%. And I thought I had you know, made the record by starting my first business at 14, but I think you've beat me there as well. We can agree that youth represent the future, Absolutely. entrepreneurial spirit, creativity, and the desire to do good. Absolutely, it seems like you're doing wonderful stuff. So thank you very much for your time today. Great to meet you, thank you very much. Keep up the good work. All right. Johnny, I have to say I'm a little disappointed that I didn't get to join you for these ones because let me just tell you that Esther, the one who's developing the, the guidelines and rules for robots. I mean, she is basically writing the Bible for robots. Think about it. She is the robot's God, okay? And they have to abide by those rules. How crazy is that? That she is writing the code of ethics for robots. I love it. It's almost like she is a robot goddess. So this is super cool stuff and so fundamental to our existence because if we just program AI into robots. If you remember episode one, when I met the AI robots at Tel Aviv University that were made by Dr. Goran Gordon, he programmed them blank. So they didn't have any brain, they didn't have anything. By the time I got there, they were teaching me Tai Chi. So imagine the extent that if you don't give it any limitations, what that robot could effectively do, right? He could become a terrorist if he wanted to, right? If he, <laughs> if he got the bad, bad spin. Johnny, you're scaring me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, imagine you gave robots a sense of, of consciousness. I mean, a conscious, a, a conscious mind, okay? And feelings, then there would be no difference between robots and humans. And this is basically the movie AI. Mm-hmm. Apocalypse. And you know, there are nations around the world who are not so friendly, right? And they're not about just building technologies that are going to make the world a better place, but they're actually looking to do damage. So, you know, we greatly need things like this that are going to safeguard us to ensure that with the robotics yes, that come out, you know, they can't turn into the AI movie because that'd be pretty bad eventuality for us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
So uh, thanks so much for uh, listening, guys. And we're excited for you to join us for the next guests on episode four. Keep tuned. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. You may also visit us at electrocast.com. The Tech Talk podcast is a co-production of Tech Talk Media and Electrocast Media. Executive producers are myself, Johnny Kaplan, Ronald Hans, Mark Netta, and Peter Rafelson. Special thanks to our associate producer, Sienna Jackson, our podcast recordist, Adam Kleinberg, and our audio editor, Chris Souza. Join us in our next episode, where we continue our journey to the world's most amazing startups to bring you one step closer to our incredible new technological evolution. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.